What's up, Lamb Fam? Welcome back to the Life After Miscarriage podcast, where we unapologetically chat the ins and outs of what life is actually like after miscarriage. I'm your host, Shelly Metling, and with four angel babies myself and one rainbow baby here on earth, I have created a platform for you guys to share your stories. So sit back, relax, get ready to relate, laugh, and cry as we get real on what life is actually like after miscarriage in the 21st century. Hello, everyone. We have Janelle Holcomb on today's episode. I am so excited to get to know a little bit more about her. Janelle, I am just going to toss it at you. Start wherever you would like with your story. Hi, Shelly. Um, thank you so much. I just um, wanted to say I appreciate um, you creating this podcast for people to share their stories. Um, it definitely helped me so much, especially at the beginning of my journeys. When, uh, when I first started having miscarriages, I would go back and listen to the podcast, uh, all the different podcasts over and over and just know that I wasn't alone. So thank you for that. Um, I guess I'll just start kind of at the beginning. Um, <clears throat> I kind of have always wanted to be a mom. Like I grew up in a large family. My mom never seemed to have trouble having children. I mean, she had 10 kids and she may have had two miscarriages, but it wasn't really something that we talked about. It was just, you know, you, you get married and you have kids. So I was always really excited. Um, and I felt like that was my purpose is to be a mom. And so I pictured myself having, you know, not a huge family like my family did, but I always said two or three, but my husband, he wanted five. So I thought we would have a, um, a reasonable full-size family. So yeah, um, I was 20 when I got married and I wanted to start having kids right away, but my husband really wanted to wait just so we were in a better place financially. So we waited uh, about four years to start trying. And so it took us um, a little less than a year to get pregnant with my son. And I didn't even find out until I was um, a week late with my period. So I was about five weeks-ish when I found out. And I started having some spotting and light cramping around six weeks. And I had called my family doctor because I had already been in to her to confirm my pregnancy. And the nurse told me that I was having a miscarriage, which was, I was at work. It was so traumatic. Um, so I had called my I had decided to set up an appointment with an OB. So I'd called an OB and they had been like, oh, don't worry. This is really common. Early mis or early pregnancy uh, or early bleeding is very common. So they got me in for an ultrasound and I was six weeks, three days, I think. And they were able to see the heartbeat. Um, and I was really nervous, but once I saw that heartbeat, I knew everything was gonna be okay. Um, and so I had a relatively easy pregnancy and I never had fears of miscarriage after that. And I went on to have my son 
um, at 38 weeks after 26 hours of labor. Um, I was so glad that I did not use pain medication and I did it naturally because I kind of did have the birth that I wanted and I had, I really did have the pregnancy that I always dreamed of. So I feel like I didn't know it at the time how lucky I was, but it was really pretty amazing that how that all worked out. Um, and then when he was born, I kind of had this cloud, this dark cloud over me. I wasn't sleeping because he wasn't sleeping. I had issues breastfeeding. Um, he was having trouble eating, but I didn't realize how bad it had gotten. But basically, um, it got so bad. He was gaining weight, but he was eating for hours and hours at a time, and he was not eating properly because he had a tongue tie. And so, yeah, he was tearing me apart. And so basically, I took him to an ENT for his tongue tie because I went to a lactation consultant and they said, oh, we got to get this fixed. And my, his pediatrician said, no, he doesn't have a tongue tie, but I'll send you to a specialist. So at 10 weeks, they clipped his tongue tie and things started to get better with his eating. And so around six months, I was fully healed from that and he was doing great. And I felt like we could actually start our bonding. And then he had trouble sleeping. He had trouble breathing. He got diagnosed with sleep apnea. And at 12 weeks, my doctor suspected I have postpartum depression and suggested I start therapy, which I was completely against at the time, but I started therapy after that. And I was really hesitant of that, but it kind of just started the process to heal some things I had been struggling with, with being a new mom and not knowing kind of what was going on. Um, oh, and also around three months, my son had gotten really, really sick. And one night he coughed and he couldn't stop coughing and he kind of threw up and then there was just blood everywhere. And so I took him to the ER and turns out he had bronchiolitis and he was very, very sick. And so that was like pretty much nonstop from there. He was sick all the time, just nonstop. And the doctor had told us he needed to get his, the ENT had told us that he needed to get his tonsils and adenoids removed. So we couldn't do that until he was two. So we were kind of trying to decide if we should start trying to have another baby or not. And I, when, when my son was one, before he was even one, I decided I, I wanted to start trying for another baby because I wanted them close together. So when, when he was one and a half, we officially started trying. And that's kind of when everything went downhill. Um, so the first, the second cycle, um, it was August, 2018. I had my first 
positive pregnancy test after he was born. And it was a super, super faint positive. And I started my period one week later. So I didn't acknowledge it as a miscarriage. I had never heard of chemical pregnancy. I, I had just never even thought about it. So I kind of just was like, well, I thought I might be pregnant, but I guess I'm not. And, and I didn't talk to my doctor about it. I just talked to my friends about it and I kind of moved on and just kept trying to have another baby. And so then, you know, a few months went by and when my son turned two, we just started, decided that he needed surgery. So we kind of scheduled that. And um, then December 31st, 2018, I was really excited to take a pregnancy test. And I was like, this is gonna start the new year off really great or really bad. And I remember joking about it, but I ended up having a positive test and I announced to my husband with my son wearing a big brother shirt and it was just the cutest thing ever and those pictures you know that's one of the few things I have from that pregnancy and I was really excited because that baby was due on September 10th which is also my anniversary um but i know i i st started bleeding at i would have been four weeks four days i had already called my ob i had already set up an appointment and i basically just felt like the whole world was crashing and it was just like that first like impending doom like nothing can go right now but i was still really hopeful because you know everyone has miscarriage at some point that's that's kind of what i thought like my mom had two but she has 10 kids so you know everyone has one it's going to be okay so i was still pretty hopeful and so i just wanted to start trying right away i didn't want to agree to this baby i just wanted to keep going i was just like let's do this um well I tested positive again for a positive pregnancy in February. Um, and I was real surprised, very surprised. I remember thinking, okay, this is it. You know, this is my rainbow. That was, that was, you know, awesome that it happened so quick. I was just completely naive to what troubles people can go through. And I announced to my husband this time in a, pizza box i wrote him a poem because he loves pizza and i just thought oh this is so perfect this is adorable and this is just going to be the greatest story and you know it was going to be great so i was due that time november 9th um and yeah no that was february 2019 so i was due november 9th 2019 and I was so excited to have another Thanksgiving baby because my son was born one week before Thanksgiving. Oh, and also I named all of my um, babies when I first got them. I was pregnant with them. So like the last baby I named Maybe Baby. This baby I named Angel Baby. Like as soon as I found out, I named them. And I just kind of had nicknames for my babies. And so 
I went in for the, I went in for my appointment and um, my doctor said everything looked good. Um, she did a bunch of tests. She did a well woman exam and did all these tests. Um, she put me on progesterone and I was really hopeful. I stayed positive the whole time. I even planned a vacation so I could kind of get out of town to just relax. Um, I had already had this vacation planned before I found out I was pregnant, so I decided to still go. It was just a mini girls trip. And on that trip, it was March 2019, I was six weeks, six, but wait, yeah, six weeks, six days. I was one day away from being seven weeks pregnant. And I was, you know, at, in a cabin in the middle of nowhere out of town and I started spotting. I thought, oh, it's fine, you know, it's okay. Just a little spotting, it'll be okay. Well, it started to get worse. And so I decided to cut my trips short and go into town, go back home and have my appointment. So they did a sonogram. They got me in. My appointment um, was actually just two days a week away. So they ended up getting me in one day early. And the doctor did a sonogram and said, um, I think your dates might be wrong, but I knew that she knew. But she said I was measuring five weeks and there was no, there was a sack, but she didn't see anything in it. So it was either too small my dates were wrong. I was like, no, I know exactly when I got pregnant, my dates aren't wrong. And I, I may, I may have um, remembered wrong. I can't remember if I actually went in and verified my pregnancy before, or if I found out right after my appointment when they did this with this pregnancy, a little bit blurry because this was a very hard, time so it's hard for me to remember all the dates and everything so and everything I, that I feel like when you have multiple losses in a row like that too it's hard to keep them all straight when you're like yes telling the full story it really is I yes I totally get it yes exactly and I have I journaled so much through this whole experience so um a lot of this I'm pulling from my journals um because I have all of my miscarriages journaled out in folders and so it's really meaningful that I can go back and kind of re relive that experience but I did leave some details out of those journals it's more about feelings and emotions for me so the details I don't know um I remember with this miscarriage she called it a threatened miscarriage which I had never heard before and she told me to go home and wait it out and call if the bleeding got worse and the bleeding did get worse and i just kept saying well maybe you know it's like uh i had twins and one of them died like i kept convincing myself this isn't really happening and three days later i did find like i actually passed the sack and i had never seen that before because i hadn't been far enough along so i remember just just like I had plans with my sister and I just went to the bathroom and I just like found this in the toilet and I picked it up and I I put it in a little bit a little container and I said you know 
that's my baby right there. That's, that's all I will ever have to rem remember. Because I think with a lot of these early losses, people don't get closure that they need. So I kind of went numb at that point and I still went and hung out with my sisters and I just pretended like everything was fine. And then when I got home, I had a mini funeral for my baby in the backyard and me and my husband and son, and we went out back and we just had like this little moment. It was just kind of like, okay, well, another baby gone. And at this point I was like, okay, um, life is, something's off and I wanted answers. So this was my third, um, my third loss. At that point, I realized I had had that first chemical pregnancy. I had realized that was actually a pregnancy. So I told my doctor, I think this was a pregnancy. And I remember the nurse said, you think, or you know, was it confirmed? Because we only want to know about the confirmed pregnancies that you lost. And I said, it was confirmed by me. And so please put it in my chart. And I was just so angry at her and how rude she was. And here I am sitting here after three miscarriages and you're being so rude. Cause I had every single time I had gone back to the doctor. So I'd been to so many doctor's appointments and I had been going like all the time. And with this miscarriage, when I went in, the nurse actually made me pay she said, oh, you're pregnant? Okay, let me pay this. They want me to do this. They sent me all the paperwork in the mail and, you know, all of those things that you don't think about. And I just took those documents and I just threw them away. She had sent me bills and bills and bills and, you know, the welcome paperwork. I received the welcome paperwork the day after I found out it was a threatened miscarriage. And so when I went in for that sonogram, it was like just horrible i cannot believe i just i cannot imagine going through that again it was so traumatic and i said i have recurrent pregnancy loss i've had multiple miscarriages so i said i don't even know if this is a viable pregnancy and they pretended like everything was fine and they said congratulations when i walked in there like the nurse was congratulating me and i was like i had convinced myself that i really wasn't having a miscarriage because all these people are acting like i'm not and there's all these pregnant women in the waiting room and they're fine so i must be fine too and so basically that's that's the end of that that was my third miscarriage so then at that point i was like um i would really like to like get some answers like obviously the progesterone didn't work so is there anything else i can do um and she said, you have to have at least three confirmed losses. And I was like, well, I do. And she's like, well, that first one, you know, we didn't really count that one. Like they were not considering my first miscarriage a miscarriage. So I was like, fine, I'll, I'll have one more miscarriage. How about that? I'll get pregnant really quick. How about that? So I just was like, forget this. I don't even care anymore. I was fed up with doctors and I was just like, cause I had to have a referral. I called around to all these different doctors and they all said I had to have a referral for my OB. So I was like, fine, you want me to have three miscarriages confirmed? I will. So I went and got pregnant again. And I was so thankful that I got pregnant right away. And I just knew it was going to end in miscarriage. 
So I just started getting really busy. I started just just doing things to make myself occupied. I planned a trip to California. And so I tested positive the day I got back from California. That was June. And so June 15th was when I, so when I got back from my trip, I went in and my doctor said, okay, we'll take your AC, ACG. Cause I just found out. And um, it was like one day after my missed period that I found out. So she took my HCG and the first one looked really good. And so I was kind of excited. And then I took another one and it dropped just a little bit, but it dropped. And so she said, you're having another miscarriage. So stop the progesterone, stop. Um, and you should pass it naturally. And so just that that baby was due February 13th and I named that one sticky baby because I was just hopeful that it would stick even though I knew it probably wouldn't so this is exactly why anytime somebody asks me like if they should go in to the doctor or wait I'm always like go in because just get it confirmed because I went mm -hmm. through the same issues that you did with really? having to have it confirmed and I'm like if that's the you know like if that's even the only reason you go in go in because it's mm -hmm. really frustrating yes yes and I had no idea and I hadn't really been around anyone that had experienced this so I was kind no, of either blind yeah same that but that's exactly my advice to everybody I'm always like just go in get it confirmed yes that is good advice um, so at that point, of course, my doctor referred me. So I was like, okay, this is going to be my knight in shining armor. This is going to be all of my answers. This is great. So um, it took a while for me to get in. It was um, a reproductive endocrinologist. And my very first appointment, I didn't realize it was going to be so long. Um, but I guess they went all out. The paperwork was insane. Um, I had had everything filled out. My husband had everything filled out before we went in and it was a two-hour appointment and i was not expecting that um but i was really glad that they were being thorough and they the first thing my um, re said to me was um i said are you going to find out what's wrong with me and she said no we're not probably but we're going to be able to get you I believe I can get you pregnant and keep you pregnant that's our goal and I just was really turned off by that statement because I thought she needs to find out what's wrong with me and she said over she said it's about 50% of people don't find out what's wrong with them which I think is appalling but I think in this you know the, this um, specialty it can be really hard to find out what's wrong because there's so many things going on those people's bodies um so they did this procedure i can't remember what it was called but um they did a procedure my first appointment and i almost passed out because it was just very i don't even know it was where they put the um dye or fluid into your bladder and then they check your 
cervix or whatever. I don't even know. I can't remember. I had had it all figured out. But yeah. HSV or yeah. I think that's what it's called, right? HSG. Yeah. I believe so. Probably. Um, I was gonna say that, but I don't want to be wrong. So <laughs> that's probably right. Um, so anyway, they found a polyp and I was like, you did? Like what? You found something? Because she had said, I am confident we're not gonna find anything. And she's like, I did find something. It may be a polyp, it may be scar tissue. I'm not really sure until I get in there. Well, she said, I want to do surgery like ASAP. So this was, they scheduled my surgery for, I believe it was September of 2019. So I had my miscarriage in June and they had already scheduled my surgery in September. <clears throat> and she had told me during this time, you don't have to, you don't have to stop trying, but we recommend that at least a month before so we can do the surgery that you kind of stop trying. Well, they had scheduled the surgery pretty pretty quickly after. I mean, I think it was like two weeks. And my son had had surgery, I believe it was August of 2019. So we kind of had two surgeries back to back. And it, I mean, both surgeries were pretty like low risk and um, my son, he recovered very quickly and, um, it was hard the first two weeks, but then he started sleeping better and everything like got better from there with him. So I was really excited to have a surgery. So they removed a polyp that was very tiny and some scar tissue. And she said, now, I don't think this has anything to do with, with your losses. Um, once she got in there, she said, I really don't think it does, but you know, get pregnant again, we'll see. And so she just like, we're not going to do anything for you since you get pregnant naturally. So I waited and waited, I didn't get pregnant. Cause she said, most people get pregnant like a month, maybe two months after because they have that fresh cervix or Whatever you think, I would know all these terms because I've researched it so much. But honestly, sometimes I just forget. So we kept trying it, and I just didn't get pregnant. So she put me. I went through the holidays, and they were just awful with all my due dates because it seemed like I had so many due dates, and I was just grieving at this whole point after the surgery was just complete grieving period. And I was just really allowing myself to feel all of the emotion. And so I would say that was probably the lowest point in my life. I got really depressed. I didn't want to live anymore for sure. I, I definitely had suicidal thoughts, which I thought, I can't tell anyone about this because then they're going to take my son away. People are going to judge me if I'm a terrible person. I thought you can't tell anybody if you're feeling this way. But I told my therapist and she was like, this is, this is normal. You've been through a lot and just allow yourself to feel things, allow yourself to be sad. And so I just really embraced that. And I did not have the suicidal thoughts for very long they they only lasted like you know a week or so and once I had 
talked to my therapist and really felt like gotten to the root of why I was feeling that way, then I was able to overcome those. So, because I had been like, I'm going to be put in a, I'd been thinking, I'm going to be put in a psych ward. I'm going to have my son taken away. Like all those things you see on TV, because who talks about suicidal thoughts around here? No one. So I was just like, okay, I need to talk about this. And so I started being more open about um, suicidal thoughts and how there's different levels of suicidal thoughts. And it, it's okay to feel this way. I just started being really open about my story and I started telling more people, it's okay. Like we have all been there. We have all had really hard times and it's not, it shouldn't be embarrassing. And so basically once I had adjusted that, um, I decided to get put on Femera. Well, my doctor decided that because it had been so long since we had gotten pregnant and I did not like the Femera. My body just didn't react well to that. I didn't sleep. I'd really, it made me have really bad anxiety and I just felt weird. I don't even, I can't even describe it because I don't remember exactly how it made me feel, but I just remember my body did not like it. So a couple months I was on that and it didn't work. And so then they put me on Clomid and I was nervous to go on Clomid because I'd heard really bad things about it. And anyway, so my first cycle on Clomid, I got pregnant and this would be my fifth miscarriage. And I got pregnant April 5th of this year, 2020. I was so excited because it was the week before Easter, but it was also when the pandemic was starting to get really bad. So we, my, me and my husband talked and he decided that he was gonna move out because we didn't wanna risk me getting COVID because we didn't know anything about it at this point. Um, we had already been social distancing ever since I started COVID just in case because his job requires him to be with people and mine, I could work from home. So I was working from home and he was working with the public. So, so we had been social distancing for about three weeks at this point and it was Easter. So we didn't even spend Easter together. He was living in the spare room. We were not interacting with each other and he was gonna move out the next day. And I said, I feel really, we were gonna announce to like family on Easter. And I said, I feel weird about this. I just don't think it's gonna work out. So just wait. Um, my um, numbers had looked really good. My first two HCGs were really good. And I was just waiting on the third one. So, um, I went and took a pregnancy test because I woke up one day and I just felt weird. And I mean, I'd only known I was pregnant for a week at this point, but I just felt weird. And I was like, I think I'm probably, like I didn't feel nauseous, I didn't feel anything. And usually I feel that right away. So I went and took a test and it was, uh, it was positive, but it was super, it had gotten lighter instead of darker. And I was like, yeah. And this was the day after we had told his family and they were so excited. We had sent him a picture of my son with a shirt that said big brother. It was just so cute. 
but you know, I'm glad that I did that because I still got to experience some joy even in this horrible traumatic time. So um, I had told my doctor and she had already scheduled me for to come in that following Wednesday. So I went in and sure enough, my levels had dropped. They hadn't dropped completely, but they had dropped. So then I had to follow it back down to zero. And um, that baby was due December 16th of this year. And I was just so excited to have a Christmas baby because that's kind of what I always thought I would have would be a baby due in December or find out I was pregnant around Christmas and be able to share that. And so it's just like all of these dreams and hopes completely shattered and gone. And I named that baby my miracle baby because I really had hope for a miracle. And finding out around Easter in the middle of a pandemic, I just was really hoping for a miracle. But I just remember like how isolating it was going through um, a miscarriage during all of this. And I really feel for everyone that has because it's just so isolating and you're so alone and you have to do everything on your own. And at the beginning of this, um, it was all completely fear-based. We didn't know anything about COVID. So um, just like the working from home, grieving alone, we had some people bring us stuff and leave it at our door and it was really sweet. And I appreciate all those people that did that. Through, through this whole process, we have had so many people reach out and just be there. And we've had just tons of support and I cannot be, um, I cannot express how grateful I am to all those people because I would not have been able to get through it without them. Um, and um, of course my faith through this whole thing, I think I realized like how, um, how much God is there all the time. And when no one else understands you, um, that has been a really big thing for me. Just, you know, when I'm having a really bad day, just going and driving around and really, um, just like crying out to God that, you know, just praying for a miracle and my miracle has not come, but I think everything will work out the way that it's supposed to. But I guess with this miracle baby, the one that was due next month, the one that I'm talking about now, um, I did go, I did get past a third blood draw. So I got past the second week. Um, I think I said I only had two blood draws, but I did, I had gotten further than I had with most of my, with a lot of my pregnancies. So I had gotten to the fourth blood draw, which is kind of like a milestone, I guess. And that's when the levels had dropped. And I think that's why we told people because we were hopeful. We were more hopeful. So that pregnancy, I was pregnant for a little bit longer. Um, I can't remember exactly how long, but I think I was pregnant for longer than normal. Um, but my doctor still called it a chemical pregnancy because I think it was like right before five weeks. And I hate that term, chemical pregnancy, because I feel like in the medical world, they kind of don't really treat it like a miscarriage. 
or a loss. Um, so I ended up having another appointment with my RE. This time it was a virtual appointment. And all of this happened pretty recently. So um, she told me that she wanted to put me on a blood thinner. And then if that didn't work, she said she wanted to do IVF. And I'm like, I am not even close to wanting to try IVF. Like, why would you try IVF if I can get pregnant? And she said, well, you know, you could have bad egg, uh, bad embryos when the sperm eats the egg. And I was just like, well, I would like to try all these different things. I'd heard so many different things can help. And she's like, well, let's just try this Lovinox and then we'll talk again. So she put me on Lovinox. Well, I don't know if it was just because I'd just gotten done with this um, miscarriage or what, but I, my body reacted horribly to that. I was, I was not sleeping at all. I was having anxiety attacks. I was shaking all the time. My body would go numb, just weird things. So I was like, I had convinced myself I was having an allergic reaction one day because I had a rash. Well, I don't know if the rash was because of the blood, the shots, but I'd call my doctor and I was like, I have a rash. I feel weird. Like, um, so she's like, you need to go to the ER. And I was like, I don't think it's that serious. I was like, what about just going to urgent care? You know, she's like, well, maybe urgent care could give you like some steroids or something. I don't know. She's like, but just be careful, make sure you can still breathe. And I was like, breathe? So then I was like, oh, I can't breathe. Like, oh yeah, I'm having trouble swallowing. And I convinced myself that I was having trouble swallowing. And, and looking back, I think it was just the overwhelming anxiety of number one, the pandemic, number two, like being on a new medication. And I think I did have some real feelings. I think some of those were real, but I think they were hyper stimulated because of the um, because of anxiety. And so at that point, um, I kind of just decided to just take some Benadryl and stop the medication. And so everything was fine after that. I just took some time to relax and I just never called my doctor back. She called to check up on me, but I was like, I'm, I'm kind of done with medication. I'm, I'm not going to take it anymore. I'm done. I was sick of, I needed a break. So we just tried naturally the next couple of cycles and that didn't work. So my doctor put me on heparin because she's like, you need to be on something in case, in case you get pregnant. So she put me on heparin. I tried that for two cycles. It didn't work. So she's like, well, we should probably put you on Clomid again because that worked last time. So they did it. Clomid, heparin, progesterone, thyroid medication. And I didn't get pregnant. So um, I think, I think I did one. And then this last cycle, so this is all really recent. So this last cycle, I did an Ovidrill shot, which I'd never done before, which I don't really think is necessary, but I was like, give me whatever you got to, to get me pregnant. I just want to get this over with because I won't know if the blood thinner works until I get pregnant. So my doctor's like, okay, let's just, let's just do this. So they did 
heparin, clomid, progesterone, thyroid medication, and Ovidril shot. And then of course, all my normal prenatals and all of that. So I was super hopeful that I would be pregnant. I did not, they did not tell me and I did not know um, that the Ovidril shot can give you a false positive on a pregnancy test. So um, thankfully I had researched it myself because I researched the heck out of medications. And I had seen that you can get positive pregnancy tests. So on day eight, I started testing. So eight, nine, 10, I had positives. 11, I had a negative. And then 12 and 13, I had a positive. So today is day 14, which is the day that my doctor told me to wait and to try, but like, or to test. But who does that? Who listens to the doctor when they say don't test? I never have. So I tested and this morning and it was a big fat negative. So I'm like, I am, I don't know. I'm kind of happy, kind of sad. I'm happy because that means that I can stop worrying about being pregnant again because it's like you want to be pregnant just as much as you don't want to be pregnant because it's so it, it induces anxiety it gives stress and it's just very hard especially now that covid is getting worse again and it's just like what do i want to do do you keep going do you not and i think that is one of the hardest things for me is just like when do you stop because it's been almost three years. My son just turned four. And there's just, it seems like everyone's life's moving on and mine's staying exactly the same. And so I just, I just decided I'm going to kind of change my mindset. I'm going to keep trying to do this, but this is not going to be my goal in life. This is not going to be what defines me. I'm already a mother. That's what I always wanted to be. And I believe that I have six children and I will see my babies when I get to heaven. And I recently had a photo done by Kira B. Art, I believe it was. I don't know if you've seen her art, but she does portraits for people that have angel babies. And then she has Jesus holding, it's a portrait of your family and then Jesus holding your babies. And that is just so meaningful to me because it's my whole family in a picture. And then I also have necklaces with all of my baby's due dates, um, birthstones on it. And that's from Held Your Whole Life. And that's a nonprofit organization that gives jewelry to women that don't have, um, that have had losses. And, and I think they give it to men too. It's two per household, I believe. So I have angel wings and then I have the held your whole life pendant on there. And that's just a way for me to always have my babies with me. So that's kind of my story as of right now. I, I guess I'm just kind of living 
day by day and trying to embrace every moment and enjoy the life that I have and be thankful for what I have and not that I don't have. Because number one, there's so many people that have it so much worse than me. And number two, you never know what's going to happen tomorrow and you never know what God has in store for your life. Absolutely. You, we have very similar mindsets, like the way you share your story. I can just relate so much to pretty much everything that you said. Um, thank you so much for doing this. I always ask at the end of every episode, if you have like one holy grail piece of advice for somebody in a similar, similar situation, what would it be? Um, I feel like never giving up and staying hopeful and positive has really been something that I have, that has been helpful for me when I was having a hard time, but also at the same time, it's okay to be sad and taking all the time you need to grieve when you need it and just not worrying about what other people think about the way that you grieve. So that's kind of like my piece of advice. Yeah. And I just want to say thank you too, for mentioning like the suicidal thoughts and talking to your therapist about it, because I think that is a huge role for a lot of people on this journey. And it's, it's really common. And I think it's also really common to feel ashamed and like hide it. And I think that it's really cool that you kind of like opened up and brought that up and let people know that it is, it is normal and it is okay. And it is okay to talk about it. Um, so I want to thank you for that too. Cause I don't think a lot of people talk about it and yeah, I think it's really cool that you did bringing some awareness to that side of grief as well. Um, if somebody wants to reach out to you, where could they do so? Um, I've been using, when I kind of started this whole thing, I started an Instagram and a blog um, called Mama Overload. That's Mama spelled M-O-M-A, Overload. And I kind of just use that as an outlet. So if anyone has any questions, they can always post on there or if they want to keep track of where I'm at. I try to keep it updated, but I don't get on there all the time. Awesome. So I'll link that in the description of this episode. Thank you so much, Janelle. And you'll have to keep us posted. Good luck moving forward. Thank you. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it with a friend who could find it useful or share it on your Instagram stories. Tag myself, tag my guest so that we can personally thank you. This is a lamb fam, you guys. We're not in this alone. We're creating this ripple effect together.